Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good afternoon. Welcome. It's time yet again for an episode of Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay. Uh, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, here alongside me, as always, is my co-host and friend, Douglas Farmer. Douglas, how about that famous toastery bowl yesterday, man? Down 28 to nothing. Didn't hear no bell. What a great bowl game. It, it's what we sign up for this time of year. We hear people complain about these games because they don't appreciate the fun in life. They just like to be sad and miserable, whereas you and I are willing to look at a 28-0 football game and see the joy that can come in overtime. And I never doubted you, West Kentucky. That plus money bet was always coming home. Always. Never had a, never a doubt in my mind. And bringing, uh, bringing home the absurdity is, uh, I believe that Western Kentucky had asked that gentleman who came in, the, the giant third-string quarterback, to come back as a tight end. <laughs> so we'll see if the negotiating posture has changed a little bit. But certainly fun and a fun week of, uh, of bowls for us uh, to, to get into this week. Uh, Douglas, looking at, uh, it's kind of hard to track uh, how we've done so far because we are out a little bit ahead of those. But I will say the one we disagreed on uh, had us in the first half, not going to lie, but uh, man, Boise just collapsed against UCLA there. I'm waiting to hear three words, Parker. Uh, I, I had fun. I, I don't know which, which I three words. Right, uh, as so, was... as so often happens. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who knew the Ethan Garber's Renaissance? I think he had like a 98 QBR nine for 12, uh, nine yards per attempt or something just absolutely absurd. So good for good for Garbers, good for UCLA to to right the ship there. And uh, yeah, we saw how far how far the vibes of, uh, of of Boise State could carry them. And evidently, it was uh, through the first half and no further. As I predicted, I was I was spending time with a college buddy. I wasn't watching the game actively. I will admit, I was not a humble winner when I saw that score. As I was out having fun, I I embraced the moments and sent you some trash talk. And I apologize for nothing. I got that one right, and I'm going to take. <laughs> Absolutely, got to take the wins when they come for you, Douglas. They are few and far between, so I understand celebrating those. <laughs> We've got a good uh, a good slate today. I don't want to wait too long before we get in it. So. Well, before we do, I'll just make sure if you're here uh, in the comments, thank you. Go ahead and hit a like button for us there. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel. We are part of Hit the Books HQ, which is part in, in itself of the Hammer Betting Network. Uh, a lot of great content there for, for other sports as well. If you're into NHL and NBA, both
both of those are going strong with a bunch of hammer content and of course nfl as well so check all of that out there and, and then make sure you subscribe to hit the books hq you can get our show on tuesdays and and Kinesian powers uh, uh multiple times a week as well so a lot of fun there and a lot of good content with that being said Douglas, let's go ahead and get into our games this week. We're going to start out with a fun one. Military Bowl has Virginia Tech and Tulane facing off. Uh, Virginia Tech was uh, a minus four favorite. This line has gotten way, way the heck out there now and really, really outpaced ourselves. Um, but uh, the, the big issue here is, of course, uh, Douglas, that Tulane's coach, Willie Fritz has taken the Houston job. He's gone. Uh, Michael Pratt's not going to play. There's some serious opt-outs here for Tulane in this one. Uh, and so kind of a, a, a pretty big mismatch. Uh, I'm going to have a play here, but before I color your uh, your perspective, tell me about uh, tell me about this game from uh, from your point of view. It's the no Willie Fritz aspect, and, and I'm going to get into a game later today where more of the coaching staff is gone than even Tulane's. But you – so much of uh, bowl games, we said it as we get into part three here. We said this in the first two parts. We need to reiterate it, reiterate it, reiterate it. It's so much of an inf information game and somewhat, to an extent, a vibes game. And in this instance, I'm looking at Tulane. When your head coach is gone, I think the vibes really, really shift the wrong way. And that's where this line has moved from four to ten. And as as we've got somebody in the comments pointing out, Frank Harris has moved the line with some rumors about him on a different game tonight. Pratt is a similar aspect of Michael Pratt alone was going to move the line on Tulane by four or five points. Yep, absolutely. And uh, and Douglas, that's actually going into my handicap here. I have Virginia Tech as a solid, solid favorite in this game. I like what they're doing in the offense with the passing game. Um uh, with with Daquan there as as their you know their top target, and I really like what Kyron Drones has kind of become. They're forty second in offensive EPA, twenty seventh in EPA per pass. Where where Tulane really struggles on defense is eighty fifth in EPA per pass. That being said, uh, Douglas, this number is very big. It's uh, I don't know that I trust Virginia Tech as a ten and a half point favorite. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take Virginia Tech in the first half. That's a uh, minus four and a half. I think they'll get out to a solid uh, a solid lead here and. And, uh, and should be able to cover this e easily in the first half. And then I don't have to sweat anything about the full game with that double-digit lead. So I'm going to take Virginia Tech. I like the Hokies getting hot here at the end against the Tulane staff that is that is depleted and, and a team that all season has not really had that killer instinct. Uh, so that's minus 4.5. That's minus 120 at that MGM for my first play today, Virginia Tech in the first half. I think what I might like most about that is, if I may say so, this is more a me-style bet than a you-style bet. So I'd love to see it coming out of you as we get to the end of the year. And it kind of emphasizes that bowl games are that much trickier, that sometimes you got to find that exact that exact way to thread the needle. I, I've, I've played a few first halves this season. This might be a first for Parker Fleming here. I think that I've had one first half bet this season uh, for this, but yeah, generally I like to just cause I'm more interested in the whole outcome of the game here, but it's a nice opportunity. Again, we're shopping with lines. We know that good betters shop around and use a tool and in looking at it, I just liked the number and odds a lot better than, uh, than the full game or having to bet money on Tulane to cover that double digit spread. So nice get to uh, get to just relax here a little bit, which is uh, always fun after the first half. 
Um, Douglas, let's let's keep moving. We've got multiple plays here, but we're going to hit uh, hit bowl games from uh, Military Bowl all the way through the Liberty Bowl. So let's keep it snappy and go to one that uh, I will say could be a lot more fun if if one team was going to be there entirely. But uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is North Carolina and West Virginia. This opened slightly favorite towards North Carolina and currently has West Virginia as just under a touchdown favorite, depending on where you look. Um, a fun game. Obviously, Drake May is not going to play. Um, obviously, uh, they have, you know, what, five guys going to the NFL as well and uh, and five or six guys who have been contributors. I think maybe two or three of those really impact players uh, in, in the transfer portal as well. So not exactly a, a super um, – let's say super geared up North Carolina team, Douglas, what's stopping us from a West Virginia bet here? Well, my notes here have no Drake may obviously also no Tez Walker, but then the third point in my notes is West Virginia motivation question mark. I, 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 I'm, I'm getting a little bit out there in this thought, but Neil Brown came into the season needing to save his job. He did very successfully, very impressively. I don't know if he can continue lighting that fire through December. I, I worry that West Virginia might not really show up either. I'm not playing the under, but the under right the, the total on this right now is 56 and a half. And I am tempted by an under specifically because North Carolina may as well not be showing up. And I'm not convinced West Virginia has reason to care. Yeah. Uh, West Virginia, a little bit of that situation of uh, pigs, pigs get flat fat, but uh, hogs get slaughtered if you will. And, and maybe they are a little bit content with that. Uh, that. That being said, I do think that West Virginia is probably the right side if I had to bet this game, but it is hard for me to feel strongly about uh, such a depleted North Carolina roster and a West Virginia team, like you mentioned, that might have some motivational aspects on the numbers. I've got this 50, 50, just slightly in towards North Carolina. You look at West Virginia's schedule and I mean, they have beaten bad teams, which is not, you know, something that they have done in the past. So good for them. But they're four and one in their last five. Douglas, that's four wins against UCF, BYU, Cincinnati, and Baylor, and one pretty embarrassing loss to Oklahoma. So hard for me to trust West Virginia in that spot. Uh, we should we should emphasize your numbers do not factor in no Drake May, no Tez Walker, no Tar Heel, no Tar Heel, no Tar Heel. Your numbers are season long as they are. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So good starting point. And then we can kind of adjust from there towards, uh, towards figuring out what we want to do with opt outs and motivation and all of that. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. A good, a, a good starting point, nothing more, especially here in bowl season. Um, no play for, uh, Oh, go ahead, please. I was going to say, if you jump out to San Diego on the 27th, that's another example of where your numbers create the starting point. Your numbers want to favor USC by two ish, but Louisville is sitting there. It's a seven and a half point favorite for that matter. Louisville opened as a seven point favorite because everybody expected USC's roster to be uh, conservatively cut in half for this bowl game. <laughs> it's it's they good. They couldn't be bothered to make the two hour drive down to San Diego in traffic. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey man, that's a hard, that's a hard drive. And uh, you might have to pull a Kardashian and use your private plane to fly across the, uh, the Metroplex down there. But uh, yeah, hard speaking of speaking of motivation, I'm not really sure what <laughs> Southern Cal is going to put on the field here. And Louisville has to be a little bit disappointing. Um, I feel like they, they, you know, really, really good season, especially year one with Jeff Brom, but, uh, but man, they have, um, they lose to Kentucky. They lose to Florida State's third string in a game where they they probably should have won by multiple scores, and they just could not do anything. Has to be kind of disappointing. This this game feels a little bit flat here. Um, you know, full strength. Watching this I, again, 
I, I think that this might be an opportunity for some live betting just to see how much juice Louisville does have on offense versus USC defense that is, frankly, in shambles. Um, 70th in EPA per pass, 53rd in EPA per rush, and that's at full strength. The one thing that Louisville does not do well is finish drives. They're 77th in points per echo, but uh, USC's defense is 117th in points per echo allowed. So it's not like that's going to make a huge, huge difference there. Um you know, in terms of deterring Louisville. So might be interesting to see if you could hit maybe a live live total or Louisville live spread just if, if they come out with some juice. I like that thought. If mm-hmm. now Louisville's without some of its biggest playmakers, but they've had a month and there are other players on that roster who were not starting for a reason, but who are Jeff Brom's kind of people. I like that thought of if Louisville gets out, let's say 7-0, 10-0 in the first quarter, you can just decide, yeah, USC's not going to show up at all. And grab a live lofty number and and watch Louisville go it could be 35 14 for all we know like they could that that is within the realm of possibility I like that thought of how to approach that game just see if Louisville's opening script shows some some vigor yeah and and, and the, the flip side would be you know Jamar Jordan and Jamari Thrash not playing Caleb Williams Marshawn Lloyd Brendan Rice not playing um I think if somebody comes out and puts together a three-minute drive on the first drive and doesn't score you're probably betting a live under as well so uh again worth worth watching if you pull up pull up your apps and pull up the odds boards while you're uh ignoring your family during the holidays here i think this is this is a december 27th isn't a holiday (laughs) you're totally fine that's incredibly justified you're just being a responsible human being at that point I think that's I think that's extremely extremely fair, uh, Douglas. Moving back over to the Texas Bowl um, in Houston, we've got Texas A and M and Oklahoma State in a game that it feels like they play every other year. It just feels like this game is Texas A and M and Oklahoma State every other year. I know it's just because it happened a couple years ago, but um, interesting two teams that are in very very different um, situations. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State put together a hilarious nine and three and got thrashed in the big 12 championship. Uh, Texas A&M decided that it wasn't enough and, and moved on from Jimbo bit the bullet, paid the buyout and brought in Mike Elko um, huge talent advantage for Texas A&M, but hard to not see an advantage for Oklahoma state in terms of continuity. Right. I, I, I genuinely am uncertain who is going to coach for Texas A&M. I know to my understanding, Elijah Robinson is going to remain the interim coach through this bowl game. He's already taken a job as Syracuse's defensive coordinator, and he's got to get, get working on some recruiting there and transfer portal. So yes, he's going to try to do right by the remaining Aggies, but you can't, you, I am baffled by what this coaching staff must be. Bobby Petrino's gone. Jimbo Fisher's gone. Colin Klein's not in yet. Mike Elko's not in yet. So what does this team that's already relatively slim have that they're going to really use? I don't know. And, and you go through the opt-outs. It's it's a long list. It's transfer portal. It's a long list for AM. You go to Oklahoma State. It's relatively short. I mean, maybe we'll see if Ollie Gordon decides to, to pull one on us. But you know what? Oklahoma State's got – like. I can't figure out how to trust Texas A&M in this game, which is why I am taking Oklahoma State on the money line here. It's it's I've been playing some money, short, short dogs on the money line so far. And, hey, just like Western Kentucky brought at home, I'm going to count on Oklahoma State. I've got them at plus 114 at DraftKings, and I, I'm i just going to take that money line and say to heck with the points. I could have them as two, two and a half point underdogs. Nah, just give me give me the positive value. I like that. Um, important, important, and good to shop there. Texas A&M. Thirteen players with at least two hundred snaps are going to not play in this game. 
Maybe we get some magic. I don't know, but it seems like pretty clear cut that Oklahoma State should be the outright favorite in this game, given what we know about these two rosters. So nice, nice of you to scoop up and uh, and take that play there for sure. And again, it goes beyond the roster, and I think that might be where I'm finding the value. It's Vegas isn't pricing in this coaching staff because that's not in the numbers, but I think they should be. I don't know who is leading practices right now for Texas a and It's that simple. Yeah, what like what are what are they doing right now? I mean, literally, it's uh, Elijah Robinson and some analysts being promoted to on-field assistants and some graduate assistants being promoted. On, you're not going to be able to put together the practices that you should going into a bowl game. And Texas A&M knew that when they fired Jimbo. This was a choice that was yep. made, and you understand the choice, but it creates value here. Absolutely, it does. Uh, Texas A&M, of course, you know uh, – some close losses to, to good teams that LSU game got away from them, but really down the stretch that three and two in their last five uh, really reflects strength of schedule there. We'll see what um, Oklahoma state can do in terms of just kind of consistently playing mistake-free ball. I think that's how they win this game is, is exploiting kind of the, um, the, the lack of sharpness, the lack of discipline, just in a, a team that is, it's not that they're poorly coached. They are just literally not coached right now. So uh, a good, a good play, there we'll keep it moving and uh, and move over to the Fenway Bowl, the illustrious Fenway Bowl. SMU uh, wins the AAC and because of Liberty season is rewarded with a trip up north to play in the cold and the snow against Boston College. They were a nine point favorite. SMU is now an eleven point favorite with a fifty point five total. Douglas, the implied math on that makes this one. I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of Boston College points. I don't I don't think that's what we're expecting here, and that's probably true. I mean. SMU this season, not as great on the offensive side of the ball, 65th in EPA per play, but 32nd uh, overall. Boston College, 22nd or 28th, excuse me, on offense. Most of that is driven by their third best EPA per rush. Of course, quarterback Castellanos can run like nobody's business, and they play a little option ball, read option with him, which is a lot of fun. We'll be interesting to see how SMU can kind of bottle him up. And, uh, and and if they can, if they can, they can kind of hold back that rushing attack. Uh, not a lot of juice in the Boston College passing game at all. Um, I have a bad thought. I'm not doing it, but the Boston College money line has my intrigue. It's I can get uh, I can get it up to plus three thirty. There's no precedent zone for SMU. There's I they're disappointed to be in this game. I can't quite. I'm not going to get to the window, but I don't know why SMU shows up. And you go through the uh, a future future ACC rivalry. You've got to establish dominance. You've got to say we're the alpha game one. You can't come into your you can't begin your ACC tenure with a loss to Boston College. There's your motivation, right? <laughs> I had not remembered. It's, 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 it's what a world! What a world we live in. Former Big East teams. I, um, <laughs> but I look at the I look at the list of people who aren't playing. SMU is missing a, a couple of players. Preston Stone being the most notable. Boston College isn't missing a ton either. I this is a game I'm staying away from. But part of the reason I was thinking this was when I looked at now again neither of these teams is missing a whole lot on the transfer portal or the opt outs. And I look at the Parker Fleming graphic, and this is a game that's within a field goal, and there's no Preston Stone. Like I am considering i'm thinking about a three to one ticket on boston college not insane not my favorite i'll say but not insane i think is the way i'll land that 
I just think it's getting away. And, and then they're going to have me wondering, does Boston College care more or less? Because the game's in Boston. I can't figure that out. I'm getting in my head. This is too much thought for December 27th bowl games. Excuse me, that was on December 28th. But even there, there's another piece. It's at 11 a.m. Central. That's noon for Boston College. That's an early kick for SMU. I'm just I'm getting ahead of myself. Interesting. I, I I like the thought process. I don't know that I love the bet, but I love the thought process. Um, no official plays from us there, although maybe some maybe Douglas is going to have a couple uh, a couple Negronis and and do something stupid regarding uh, Boston College there. But we've got another one here: uh, the Pinstripe Bowl. Speaking of the Northeast up there, Yankee Stadium, Miami, uh, and Rutgers, which is just a very very New York game. Uh, this opened uh, Miami minus six. It's down to Miami minus one. We've We've got some opt-outs for uh, or transfers and, and opt-outs for both teams, but specifically for Miami, losing a, a whole bunch there. Uh, Van Dyke, Colby Young, Donald Cheney, um, J- Jafari Harvey, uh, I'm seeing is out. Corey Flagg, some some impact guys, and then Cameron Kitchens, who should go you know first second round in the draft, uh, and James William uh, as well for for Miami. So Miami pretty depleted here. Rutgers under Shiano just extended the man. Like the vibes up there, they're they're kind of moving over. What is your thought process on this game? It is very simple. You said the key word. It's Greg Shiano. Uh, in his first in at Rutgers, if you remember, what was that, 2001 to 2011, give or take, he lost his first bowl game in 2005 and then won his next five. Those six bowl games, he went 5-0-1 against the spread. I think Greg Schiano knows how to get a team to care in December. In my opinion, going 5-0-1 against the spread is enough of a sample size for me to put a little bit of validity in that. Lost his first bowl game in the second stint last, uh, not last year, a couple years ago. But I think he's building up this program again that I am simply going to trust Greg Shiano in a bowl game. I am very simply going to take Rutgers on the money line. Again, it's a short dog. This instance is only neg 102 at FanDuel. But I'm going to take that, and it's that short dog again. I keep playing that kind of small variance play. And again, it's based in a good part on the right coaching staff. If, if Greg Shiano... Wins against the spread here. I'm just going to keep stacking them on Greg Shano. 5-0-1 in his first stint in bowl games really stands out to me as something that is you can't you can trust that moving forward. Trends are a hit or miss game in handicapping, but a coaching staff in December to me is an actual item. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, the gap between Rutgers and Miami, not as big as, as you might suspect. Rutgers, uh, 40th in EPA per play, 45th on offense, 47th on defense. Miami, 14th, 16th, and 18th, respectively. So um, Miami's just kind of been a victim of sequencing, too. So I wonder if that coaching uh, effect is not magnified when Miami has some players out, and we know Miami has just had some some head scratchers this year. We're like, hey, you're a good team. What could you, Why are you doing this? What what victim of coaching moment was there for my for Miami that you might be referencing? I can't remember any just befuddling <laughs> decisions when they could have won games. You you're making no sense whatsoever, Parker. Not anything. Uh, not anything that stands out on, the, on my mind. I guess. Uh, I guess I'll have to do some research and figure that out. <laughs> it's like Mario had a couple of Negronis on the sideline and made some bad decisions. Yeah, a little, a little bit rough there, um, just, just in terms of situationally. One, two, uh, three, one-score losses. Maybe call that North Carolina a half-score loss there, too. So not not they were in most of their games except that NC State stinker. Uh, and, again, just some sequencing and some decisions on the 
margins. So um, kind of kind of interesting there. But I, I like the Rutgers angle, I like the coaching angle, um, and, and being magnified a little bit. Um, Douglas, let's talk breakfast food. The Pop Tart Bowl is in Orlando. Uh, this used to be the Cheez It Bowl. This used to be the Camping World Bowl. I can't even keep track anymore. It's the Pop Tart Bowl in the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Uh, Kansas State versus NC State uh, opened minus three. I saw this actually get up pretty big, but now it's uh, now it's down to Kansas State uh, minus two and a half. I believe is is uh, kind of the aggregate line there as well. Um, this one's really interesting for me, Douglas. If we're going to talk, we'll, we'll talk some numbers here in a second. But I want to talk about first. MJ Morris and Dave Doran appeared to not be on the same page uh, down the stretch as he um, decided to redshirt and uh, and uh, and then transferred. But they're going to ride it with uh, with Grayson McCall, give the transfer portal another shot. Brendan Armstrong this year, you know, they just couldn't recreate the magic of, uh, of 2021 Virginia with with Brennan, and he actually became uh, kind of a rushing threat for NC State, which is not necessarily what I would have wanted having brought him in. Um, but that being said, NC State down at the quarterback position. Uh, not, not a great situation there. Kansas State, though, their their quarterback, Will Howard, has left as Avery Johnson, the quarterback of the future, will take his his kind of uh, crowning uh, crowning game here this, this week. Next I, week. <laughs> I first want to point out the disrespect. I'm sure you did not mean to Champ Sports, who was, was sponsoring this bowl even before Cheez-It, or before that, the Russell, Russell Athletic. Russell Athletic? Yeah, yeah golly, go, man. We can go back a long ways on this. I don't think we get to uh, – tangerine is that that might even be this bowl game i lose track there no no that's that's up in tampa but you can yeah this one this one changes hands very frequently and i'm staying off it brennan armstrong's farewell is intriguing but i don't want to run counter to avery johnson's you you started to say coronation almost and it could be it's the kind of game that you can build a lot of offseason momentum if you're young the promising quarterback shows out yeah, this this season I felt like they kind of were just it's like Avery Johnson didn't show this enough, show them enough to really for them to be able to pull the trigger on on making it. It's not that Will Howard's bad and like I think Will Howard's going to go to USC and actually be pretty interesting in in that um in that system and running and maybe uh you know a little bit more offense that doesn't require Will Howard to be to be great there, but you go and look at Avery Johnson. I mean, he really just uh played played in that TCU game which wasn't really um, competitive. And then other than that was really just kind of came in as a gimmick. So him having the full load um, uh, as a starter for really the the second time all season is, is intriguing to me. I think Kansas state Cooper BB is going to play guard and stay. They've, you know, the, the, most of those guys are culture guys. They should have a big advantage in the trenches here. Um, but with Johnson and just the uncertainty there, it was, it was, I was less quick to pull the trigger on a, um, on a Kansas State Chris Kleiman bet here, especially Colin Klein, offensive coordinator's gone. So you're changing quarterback, you're changing coordinator. There's a lot, there's a lot moving pieces there. And say what you will about Dave Doran. He is a wily son of a gun when it comes to uh, games that you don't think he has any business winning. He is. And the way you're framing this, my head goes to another live betting opportunity. This is one where if it seems somebody has the trenches in the first quarter, that might be enough to get me to take them on whatever the live line is. And it's it's that especially when you're you're looking at trying to diagnose this quarterback play. Well, so often quarterback play is actually trench play shown through one player. Uh, that might be my approach there, just keeping an eye on which team is winning where it matters most in the first quarter and trying to catch a good number. 
Yeah. Yep. Um, that, that's that's probably smart as well. I feel like we're repeating ourselves on some of this, but it's good advice for bowl season. That's what you got to do, right? Bowl it's season just, is so, right. so It's tricky. an information game. It's, it's different than all of the rest of football season, and that's why you have to reiterate. The other thing about it that I, I do love, and this is why this past Saturday I didn't feel obligated to watch as many games or as closely, I no longer need to gather new information to use moving forward. So if you can't watch a game, you don't have to watch it. But if you are watching one, the only way you can still use that information proactively is in a live bet. You can't file it away for next week anymore. It's only for those live bets. And that's the other aspect of why we emphasize live betting a little bit more in bowl season. Yep, absolutely. Makes a ton of sense there. Um, Douglas, uh, we're going to go to another game, one one I actually like quite a bit here. Um, a fun story versus kind of the inevitable blue blood in, in my mind. Arizona is a, a three-point favorite against Oklahoma here in the Alamo Bowl. So one, I'm mad at Arizona and I'm mad at Lincoln Riley that we didn't get USC versus uh, Oklahoma here. Um, but I... I, I it was never going to happen. It, it, it was, was never meant to be. No, but also one of those two schools would have looked at this and gone, well, why would we even want this risk? There's, <laughs> there's far too much to lose. The same thing with Notre Dame LSU rumors in the ReliQuest Bowl. My response was always one of these two schools, at least one of these two schools, is going to look at this and go, nah, we're – we're good. We're good. Like, yeah, it's cool. Like, I understand the headlines, but we don't need to be on the brawn end. We don't need to risk being on the brawn end. That is confident as they might be. Someone in those athletic departments is going to go, yeah, Lincoln, you want it? You want... No, not, not so much. Yeah. Yep. Um, but looking at this, this is kind of similar to Kansas State. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's out. Jackson Arnold, quarterback of the future. Uh, the player for whom Dylan Gabriel was uh, was encouraged to go elsewhere um, is going to start. They do have some opt outs, especially on the offensive line. That would worry me in another matchup. But uh, but Douglas, I'm not terrified by Arizona's front seven. Not saying they're not good. They're 17th in um, EPA per rush allowed, 26th in EPA per pass. But I'm not terrified about them. I think Oklahoma will have some guys and be able to be a little bit more consistent there. I like the weapons on the outside for Oklahoma. And uh, one other thing I like is Oklahoma's bowl performance last year. With a couple of weeks, they had a ton of opt-outs, and they still gave Florida State all Florida State could ask for. Um and almost more than Florida State could handle there. So uh, I'm going to go with Venables and a little bit of preparation. Uh, they have some continuity at the offensive coordinator. Je Jeff Levy leaves to Mississippi State. Uh, but you have Joe Don and you have Seth Luttrell in the building there um, who are, uh, you know, have been involved with the offense. Uh, I think that Oklahoma could, could run the ball well enough to free up Jackson Arnold to make some big plays. I'm going to take them uh, – Plus plus three here. I, I like them as an underdog. You might even do a little shopping, and if you if you're if you're not as uh, if you're a little more confident in them than you are Arizona, uh, potentially a money line is is interesting here too. But uh, I'm going to take Oklahoma plus three. That's minus 108 at DraftKings. I like all of your logic, your point about last season's bowl game, and and that was Brett Venable's first year there. So maybe that's going to be his ethos. All of it makes all the sense in the world. But I am also going into this with a 2024 outlook for Arizona. I have said for a little bit now, maybe a month, maybe a month and a half, that if they get both Noah Fatita and Jed Fish back in 2024, this is a team that could suddenly be causing trouble in the Big 12. And lo and behold, unless I've missed some headline, it looks like we're getting both Jed Fish and Noah Fatita back in Arizona in 2024. So while I agree with your assessment of this game, and for the sake of the shows and, and our bet stamp profile, I'm hoping you are right. 
I am very intrigued to see if Arizona can continue as we, as we, as I in particular profited off them for most of the season. There's a thought there, and I honestly didn't think they're going to be able to hold on to both Fish and Fatita. So the fact that that's how it's looking creates a thought there in the Alamo Bowl of they might already be getting ready for their Big 12 debut. And unfortunately, this will not be a Big 12 rivalry in the future. Yeah, that's 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 uh, no, that's completely true. And and uh, Arizona very very fun this year. Can't say enough about the job Jed Fish did. Thirteenth uh, in EPA per play on offense, twenty fourth in EPA per play on defense for Arizona. That's sixteenth in net uh, EPA per play. So really really great job by them. Uh, hopefully the Sooners look. Here's what we could do by taking not taking the money line. We can root for a close Oklahoma loss, and that's uh, that's kind of the best of both worlds for us there. Right? I, I Still am absolutely on the table actively shopping to see if i can tease you with a money line but if you if you want to be that diligent about it we won't play it <laughs> why am i actively shopping because that's the easiest way to improve as a sports better is to use a, a odds comparison tool like betstamp.app that's what you and i use to get these up quickly it compares odds across every widely available sports book for gains futures player props saves us time and money and that's how we ch- that's why we check it before we make any bets I think I'm seeing up to 135 on Oklahoma if you want to be tempted by that. I know you're saying you don't want to be, but it's within reason. It's something to think about. And that's why we always have that QR code up as well. So you can sign up quicker, sign up for these sports books quicker. Betstamp.app slash hit the books. Hit the link in the description, the show notes, wherever, wherever. And that is that is a key thing. As much as we say it's an information game and it's a vibes game in bowl season, it's also being efficient better. And Betstamp.app will help you be an efficient better. You tempted by that money line, Parker? I, I am a little bit. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll call that a, a pizza money, or maybe I'll, I'll go consistent with the theme. I will um, get get some live odds on that and just just make a make a snap decision once I've seen a little bit of what's on the field uh, as well. So won't, won't won't change it on the play on the uh, on the fly. Won't put producer Jacob through the ringer, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll definitely watch its career with great interest, if you will. Um, that's probably the nerdiest joke I'll make on this uh, entire podcast, but I'm going to keep moving right through it. Let's talk about the Gator Bowl. Uh, the tagline of the Gator Bowl in 2023 is, do uh, do we have to? Clemson and Kentucky, both teams that I think thought would be uh, in much different situations. I know you and I were both talking about, I had Clemson as potentially playoff uh, just with, again, the talent and how close they were last year. They're in uh, a bowl against kind of a mediocre Kentucky team that never really turned into what they believed they would would have turned into with Liam Cohen back at uh, offensive coordinator there. We've got Kentucky uh, as a five point dog to Clemson and a total of 47 there. So really in the trenches, my number has this as, um, Oh, let's do the actual number 27, 26 Clemson. So if that's good information for you, uh, you know, go with it. The, the, the only play I would have in here is potentially an under. You've got two top 40 defenses, two offenses out of the top 40. Clemson, particularly 11th in EPA per play on defense. Um, that seems to be like my only lean on, on this one would be would be the under, just because I don't know that either team is super equipped to score. Not a ton of... Um, uh, opt-outs on, on Kentucky side per se. I know Ray Davis, the running back should play. He's going to go to the NFL, um, and, uh, and their cornerback, Andrew Phillips, but, uh, but, uh, you know, Clemson, uh, Bo Collins, Mitchell Mays, not going to play. Andrew, uh, Makuba is going to go to the NFL. I believe, or he's transfer portal. Not, not, not the, uh, I, I believe Texas, right. Uh, he's going to be out as well. And then, uh, you know, you've got, 
uh, four or five other NFL guys. So a little bit of a depleted Clemson there. Uh, not sure I'm interested in anything other than the under in this one. What about you? I want to note a name and I want to note the name because he's not on our list of transfer portals or opt outs. And I kind of assumed he would. Will Shipley playing in this game has me a little surprised. I, I suppose he probably has a year of eligibility left. He definitely has a year of eligibility left. But I, in my head, he was going to be out for this, but he is practicing and by all, all intents and purposes will play. So we should, we should at least acknowledge some of those ones that every so often catch us off guard like that. He will be the key if Clemson's going to find a way. Will Shipley's been the en- engine behind this offense for years now. If they're going to find a way to get through Kentucky's defense, it will be because of Will Shipley. If he, day of, opts out, like I'll, I'll jump all over any Kentucky number. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I was looking at I don't know if this is still up on my console. I'm I'm not live coding on the show, but I was doing something yesterday with screens, and I think that Will Shipley had the highest EPA on screens of uh, of or at least top ten uh, uh, of people in the uh, in the nation last year. Um, uh, yeah, I have him at uh, well the lowest depth of target as well. Um, so he was. Uh, 4.35 yards behind the line of scrimmage. They get the ball very, very back there. So Kentucky struggled with tackling a little bit. Will Shipley could have a big day, and that could be the deciding factor because uh, a lot of Clemson's successful offense this year was just get Will Shipley the ball in space and let him move around. It's been their successful offense for seasons. It's really impressive yep. to watch when it works, and it's really frustrating when it doesn't, which is also the Clemson offense in general. Uh, another game where we get to discuss a former Clemson quarterback, the Sun Bowl, uh, DJ Uyunglele will not be playing, and I'm not sure Oregon State's got a whole lot left. <laughs> who will be playing? <laughs> It gets pretty rough. They have uh, they have a running back who was expected to be suspended due to a DUI, but charges were not filed, so he's back in the fold. They are down to what you would consider to be their third-string quarterback. He started eight games last year, so he's not completely out of nowhere. But the Oregon State offense is looking pretty depleted. Uh, yeah, Gold Branson. Good lord, that is talk about your darkest timeline here. Um, Douglas, I just just gonna read a couple numbers. Um, Notre Dame on defense, second in EPA per play, first in EPA per pass, 15th in EPA per rush, uh, second in early downs EPA, 19th in quality possession rate allowed, ninth in points per quality possession. Uh, I don't see the path for Oregon State to score many points here. I don't see the path either. I'm going to vamp for a second to make sure I check this number and that it's accurate. Notre Dame has had some opt-outs, but on the defensive side of the ball, it's lost one veteran linebacker and one timeshare defensive end, if you'll allow the phrasing of a timeshare. And today they dropped a nickelback and they're down a cornerback. So, yes, they're down a few pieces. But the veteran linebacker has youth behind him, and two other veteran linebackers are still playing. The timeshare defensive end was a timeshare defensive end. The two cornerbacks, there are other young cornerbacks, and they're playing an offense that doesn't like to throw the ball. I'm still scrolling to make sure I can find this game, but I don't scroll past yet. How much further down the ledger? There we go. And that is why Notre Dame's defense looks like it's got some massive opt-outs, but in all of reality, I clicked the wrong game. In all of reality, the opt-outs are pretty pretty conservative. Give me like, there we go. I'm still you're totally fine. I, I actually would be. I'm I'm wondering on. A, I think I know what bet you're going to go with here. I'm actually wondering about just a uh, an overall under here. The total's 42, which is pretty low. But looking the at all of the opt-outs in this game, okay, tell me about it. 
Uh, so the bet I am making is the Oregon State team total under 18 and a half. I'm getting it neg 113 at FanDuel. I'm going to say that once more. The Oregon State team total under 18 and a half, paying the slightest of juice at FanDuel. It's because the Oregon State offense is crippled. Notre Dame State, the Notre Dame defense is returning most of the pieces. Parker, why am I not playing the overall under? Because Notre Dame finally has its two best receivers healthy. Yes, Notre Dame lost a whole bunch of receivers in the transfer portal. It was comical to watch for a week. But Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse have been slowed by hamstring injuries for most of the season. Getting them back healthy creates a thought in my mind that Notre Dame might hit a few too many big plays, and that could push this game over a low total of 42. But if I'm thinking Notre Dame might hit a few big plays, I'm also obviously thinking Notre Dame can cover a six-point spread. I'm playing two units on this game, one on that team total under, and one on Notre Dame to cover six, available at Neg 110 at Bet Rivers slash Sugar House. Love both of those. This is the one that I truly lament will not be full strength because I think this would be a very fun game between a smash mouth offense and a very good defense. But uh, I think Notre Dame should should win this handily uh, given the opt-outs for sure. Yeah, you wouldn't have cared that much if Notre Dame's offense lost a bunch of players and Oregon State's defense lost a bunch of players. You wanted to see the, right. the Beavers offense and the Notre Dame defense. And we're, it's you're getting one of them. You're getting the Notre Dame defense, but the Beavers offense has so little left. I don't want to put any faith in it, and therefore I'm going to fade it in two ways. Uh, love that. I think that's good strategy and kind of double dipping there, correlated outcomes. Um, all right, we've got one more play here, uh, one more bowl. We're going to talk about the Liberty Bowl in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out to many Liberty Bowls that I've been to where it has been 30 degrees and icing. Just the worst day, worst weather day of the year in Memphis for most of the bowl games there. Um, but uh, one, shout out to the Liberty Bowl, one of the great American stadiums. Uh, concrete seats. Back in the day, Douglas, I lived in these apartments just across the street. You could cut through Christian Brothers Campus. You get, you know, 10 bucks, get you a beer and a Prano Pup once you're in the stadium. It's it's hard to beat uh, that experience when you can walk to beer and a, a Prano Pup. Prano Pup, it's, this, uh, it's like a big corn dog. I mean, it's just a, just a big corn dog. Um, <laughs> And uh, just just the absolute height of height of uh, college football viewing experience. You can walk over to Central Barbecue after you're done. And just just great in the Liberty Bowl. But uh, Iowa State and Memphis are going to be playing in this game. Douglas, I have a weird play for this game. I, I'm just I'm, I'm acknowledging that it's weird. Um, this is not your your grandmother's Iowa State team. Uh, they they they're getting pointsy down the stretch here. 42-35 against Kansas State, 26-16 versus Texas, 45-13 against BYU, 28-21 versus Kansas, 30-18 versus Baylor. Um, I don't want to trust Iowa State with the spread because I do think they're capable of making some special teams nonsense and okay. Memphis has the athletes to penalize them. Uh, for it, I, I don't think Memphis is very strong. Uh, you know, I, I, I've got them at 79th net uh, EPA per play, but I have them at 36th on offense, uh, 115th on defense. So I think Iowa State is absolutely going to score against Memphis. And I think the question is, can Memphis score against Iowa State? And 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 I think they will. Plus, you add some of the nonsense there. I think we'll get a lot of points here. This total did move a little bit up, but I'm still okay with it. It's going to be over 57. And a half. I've got this well into the 60s here. Iowa State is not playing these 10 to 9 games. We saw that with Kansas State here. Um, so that play for me is going to be the over in Memphis, Iowa State, over 57 and a half. That's minus 110 at Caesars. Uh, oh, minus 108 at DraftKings. Shout out to producer Jacob for literally shopping 
from the time we got on the show until right now, got me a little bit of an edge there. Love that even more. Minus 108 at DraftKings there. I think the Liberty Bowl is going to get pointsy. Uh, once again, that is why you shop. Two cents might not sound like a lot, but over time, that really, really adds up, gives you better expected value. As for your play here, I was curious why you weren't also taking the Iowa State spread. This being only eight and a half or nine and a half, depending on where you look, again, shop. And you've got it north of 18 on your graphics. That had me curious, but that's just you being a little, little hesitant about Iowa State so often being sloppy. Yep, absolutely. And I think chaos goes a long way here. Uh, both teams also pretty good at uh, uh, Mem- Memphis, pretty good at finishing drives and uh, Iowa State and Memphis on the other side of the ball. Memphis bad at, at allowing finishing drives. Iowa State bad at finishing drives. So I think there's a, good, a couple of good matchups that say uh, I'm going to go in a points direction as opposed to a spread direction because I, um, I just, again, don't trust the variance of an Iowa State team. That makes all the sense in the world. And Parker, would you look at the time? We just went through another 10 or 11 bowl games. I didn't even count. In our perfect 43 minutes, I love to see it. So let's go ahead and make sure everybody knows next week, we are going to be back on December 26th. Parker and I are going to get up the day after Christmas, shake off the cobwebs, and put out our final bowl preview show. That will be the Cotton Bowl through the end, the end being the Sugar Bowl. And, And that will be how we wrap up these previews. And the other item I wanted to note, Parker, was why we did not discuss this week's games today because we did. I think we made it through the whole show before I do have South Florida. Uh, Boy, that's that. Am I still here? I think I'm still here. I think I think we made it through the whole show, and then you tried to do a bit, and we lost the internet. I don't know if it was God telling you not to do the bit or a fluke of nature, but where you were going, you've got South Florida today? And on Thursday and on Friday, you and I are both very excited to watch Georgia Tech and Central Florida put the points on the board. If you remember, you got that at 64. It's up to 67 and a half. That might be our biggest, our biggest lean so far in this bowl season. Wanted to make sure we did that little bit of a past recap before we get to our today recap. Absolutely. We need to go put that in the sheet because I don't think my Georgia Tech it Duke is. over. Oh, oh, I did it. Um, I did it live. That's right. It's also not Georgia Tech Duke, uh, first of all, because it would never Oh, sorry. UCF. Yes. Yes. The, they were flipped. This sheet is here. It's great. It's organized. I'm there. I've got it. I was just uh, – the, the internet threw me off there. I'm alive. I'm surviving. Douglas, what do you have uh, for our show today? Today I played the Texas Bowl. I'm taking Oklahoma State at plus money. I think it's plus 114 at DraftKings. That is me doubting the remains of the Texas A&M coaching staff. I'm taking Rutgers in the Pinstripe Bowl at Neg 102. That's via FanDuel. And while Miami is playing quarterback Ja'Curry Brown, I'm going to lean on a trusted coaching staff. Greg Schiano has shown he knows how to cover a bowl game spread. Rutgers, Neg 102 at FanDuel. And then I'm double dipping against Oregon State. I am taking the Oregon State team total under 18 and a half. It's available at FanDuel. Oregon State's offense is extremely depleted and is going against one of the unquestionably one of the best defenses of the country. And that is why I will also be taking Notre Dame to win by at least six. Available Neg 110 at Bet Rivers. Love that. Douglas, my bets this week. I got three of them. Virginia Tech, first half, minus four and a half at Bet MGM. Uh, that is minus 120. And then I'm going to go over to the uh, Alamo Bowl. I've got Arizona and Oklahoma. Oklahoma plus three, minus 108 at DraftKings. And then finally, the Liberty Bowl, going to get a little bit pointsy. We're going over 57 and a half, minus 108 at DraftKings. So three more on the slate for me. 
That will do it for this week. And again, we'll be back December 26th, live at 4 Eastern, because no matter the holiday, we're going to get our bowl previews out there. Uh, I love it, man. I, it's great. Enjoy the holiday, Douglas, and to everyone uh, everyone in uh, in the chat, everyone that's watching, thanks for being here. Hope you guys enjoy the uh, half-week work that everybody puts in right here between uh, leading up to Christmas. There's some great bowl games. And uh, make sure you like the video. Make sure you're subscribed. Check out the stuff at The Hammer for other sports as well. They've got some great stuff. And um, with that, I, I think we'll see you next Tuesday. For Douglas Farmer, I'm Parker Fleming. This has been Never Punt, Comma, Never Parlay. We'll see you next week.